Welcome. We're glad that you're here today. It is a miserable day on the outside, but we're glad that you're here. We're thankful for a building to meet in, to stay dry, and we're so glad that we have this opportunity, as we always do on the first day of the week. We're grateful for the freedoms that we enjoy in this country that allow us the opportunity, the privilege to come together to worship God in spirit and in truth without any kind of fear or reservation. I want us today to think about what Jesus said in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, where the Lord in the long ago said that the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. We're going to be talking today about the theme, Jesus came to save the lost. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus presents a triad of parables. Each of the parables that have been presented by Jesus focus on that which was lost and later found. There's nothing worse than losing something of great value or worth. But what a joy to find that which we have valued that has been lost. I want us to think for a minute or two today about what God thinks concerning the lost. And maybe we ought to just ask the question, who are the lost? The Bible tells us that the lost are in a state of separation from God. The reason being is sin. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin is what separates or alienates us from Almighty God. Sin is defined as the transgression of the law in 1 John chapter 3 at verse 4. Those who have never obeyed the gospel, that is, they have never put their faith and trust in Jesus as the Son of God, repented of their sins, been baptized into Christ, they are in a lost condition. Those that had at one time been baptized into Christ, added to the body, and then gone back into the world, they are identified as the lost. And so I want to begin today by talking first of all about the grave danger facing the lost. And really when we talk about the reality of being lost, it ought to be a very sobering thing to think that we're in a lost condition. I want to just talk a minute or two about the grave danger facing those who are in a lost condition. I want to begin by saying this. If you're in a lost condition, you are in danger of missing out on heaven. Now we talk about heaven, we read about heaven, we sing about heaven, we pray about heaven, but are we going to heaven? Are we living in such a way so that one day God will welcome us into that beautiful home of the eternal soul? You see, if you're lost, you're in danger in missing out on being in the presence of Almighty God. To know that we would miss 
being in the presence of an eternal God forevermore. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 21, beginning in verse 1, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them and be their God. And they shall be his people, and God himself will dwell with them and be their God. If you miss heaven, you will miss being in the presence of Almighty God, and not just God, but also the Lamb and the Holy Spirit. If you miss heaven, you'll miss out on being in the presence of the people of God. One day, known to God, the Lord Jesus Christ will come again. When He comes, the world as we know it will be destroyed. The Lord will be seated upon the seat of His judgment. And then He will assign our eternal destinies. Those of us that have lived for Almighty God will go home to be with Him forevermore. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 21 at verse 27 that heaven awaits those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. There are people that I have known and loved, friends and family members. Some have been gone a long, long time, and I want to see them again. I expect to see them again because I want to go to heaven, and I want to be in their presence forevermore. I suspect that there are people that you have loved very dearly, and they have long since stepped out into eternity. I've got friends and family members that are waiting on me, and one day I want to join them. I know that John said in Revelation chapter 14, verse 13, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. You see, there are only two ways to die, either in the Lord or out of the Lord. Those who die in the Lord, they're going to be in the presence of God. They're going to be in the presence of the people of God. But if you miss heaven, you'll miss out on being not only with God, but with his people. Furthermore, if you miss heaven, you'll miss out on being in a place that has been prepared by God. When I look around and I see the world in which we live, it's hard for me to put into human words the beauty that I see. When I think about a world that was created by the hand of Almighty God, God spoke this world into existence. The psalmist said, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, it stood fast, according to the psalmist in Psalm 33. If God could make a world as beautiful as the one in which we live, then what will heaven look like? I can't imagine missing out on the beauty of heaven. You know, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 that Abraham looked for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. I want to go home to be in that place 
that is described by Jesus as heaven. In John 14, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Peter describes heaven as a place that is indestructible, undefiled. He said it fades not away. It's reserved in heaven for you. I don't want to miss out on that place. But if you're lost, you're in danger of missing out on heaven. But then there's a second thing you need to consider. If you're lost, you're in danger of going to hell. I know that hell is not a popular subject. And I would really just as soon not talk about hell. But I know that while Jesus was upon this earth, he had more to say about the subject of hell, that is the Gehenna that we read about, than any other person. Jesus had a lot to say about the subject. If you're lost, you need to understand that you're in danger of going to a place that is described as a place of doom. When I think about missing out on heaven and being in a lost condition, it is very sobering to think about being in a place where there is absolutely no hope, no help, no opportunities for second chances, no return, our fate forevermore sealed. We talk about living with hope and living with anticipation for the future. Let me tell you what, if you go to hell, you have no hope. I mean, none whatsoever. Paul talks about those that are without hope and without God in this world. In hell, it is a place without hope and without God. And here's the scary part, forevermore. You see, if you go to hell, not only are you in danger of being in a place of doom, you are in danger of being in a place of utter despair. The Bible speaks of the rich man in Luke 16. And the text tells us that he was in a place of torment. Jesus said, describing hell, the worm dies not, the fire is not quenched. I can't begin to picture. I'm not sure that I can put into human words the despair the lost will feel in that place called hell. It's a sobering thing to think about eternity, to think about living in a lost condition. And yet there are so many that are living on the brink of doom and despair. And then thirdly, it's a place of death. It is a place, as one person said, where people live and never die. They die and never live. Paul said the wages of sin, it's death, Romans 6, 23. 
John said in Revelation chapter 20, at verse 14, that death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. He said, this is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I promise you, you don't want to miss heaven and you don't want to go to hell. Now, in light of that, what about God's desire for the lost? I think that sometimes we need to be reminded of God's desire for those who are in a lost condition. Let me just ask this question. How much does God value the human soul? How much does God value your soul? I could sum it up by saying, in the eyes of Almighty God, your soul is priceless. There's no way I could attach a monetary value to your soul. That's how valuable your soul is. We talk about living in a world where money is, currency is used as an exchange. All the money in the world can't buy your soul. Your soul is worth more in the eyes of God than any and everything. That's why he sent his son into the world. The angel of God announced to Joseph in a dream that Mary would bring forth a son. He said, she will call his name Jesus and he will save his people from their sins. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus came and willingly suffered, bled, and died on Calvary so that we might have everlasting life, the hope of everlasting life. The Lord said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not the son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him, listen to him, might be saved. God sent his son so that you might enjoy salvation. Paul said in Romans chapter 8 verse 32 that God spared not his own son but freely gave him up for us all. You could just insert your name there. God gave his son up for you individually. And we talk about collectively how the Lord died for all men. He did. He tasted death for every man according to Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9. But he died for you individually. John said, we have seen and bear witness that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. In 1 John 4, 14. God is interested in people. Here's what the Lord said. When we talk about our human soul, this eternal soul housed within our body, Jesus asked the question, What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Let me tell you what. Your soul is priceless in the eyes of Almighty God. Now, let me ask this question. What's God's vision for your soul? In other words, what would God want for you? Is it not the case that God wants what's best for his creation? The answer is yes. Listen to what Ezekiel the prophet said in chapter 33, verse 11. Many, many years ago, God said, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked might turn from his evil way and live. God wants people to be saved. Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 2, 
that God would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Jesus came so that we might enjoy the hope of salvation. And then in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the Bible says, God is not willing that any should perish. And I would emphasize that word, any. God's not interested in losing one soul. Why? Because that one soul is precious in His eyes. We are the crown of His creation. We talk about the sun, the moon, the stars, the world in which we live and the beauty of it. Let me tell you what, the world pales in comparison to the human soul. God wants us to be saved. There's a third thing I want you to see in our study. And that is the gracious deliverance of the lost. There is the power to cleanse the human soul. I want to talk for just a minute about how Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is that person of salvation. He is the person of redemption. The Lord Jesus Christ came so that we might be redeemed. Peter said we've been redeemed not by corruptible things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. As of a lamb without spot, without blemish. Jesus would say in John chapter 14, verse 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Luke said in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Neither is there salvation in any other. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. If we're going to be saved, Jesus is the answer. He's the way. He's the only way. There is no other way. There is no other person. Only Jesus can redeem the soul. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, In Him, that is, in Christ, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. No wonder Paul would say in Ephesians 1, 6, To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He has made us accepted in the Beloved. So, the Lord Jesus Christ, He is the person of redemption. And Jesus Christ has given us a plan of redemption. We talk, we talk about the Bible and the importance of this book that we call Scripture. God has given us this book so that we might know how to live, how to act, how to conduct ourselves, and ultimately so that we might enjoy a relationship with God. God's all about us enjoying a relationship, an intimate relationship with Him. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, 105, Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my pathway. The gospel, according to Paul, is God's power unto salvation in Romans 1, 16. The gospel has the power to penetrate the hearts and lives of people. That's what the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 4 at verse 12, that the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. God's Word has the ability to purify the soul, to cleanse the hearts and minds of people. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 32, You shall know the truth. The truth shall make you free. What is the truth with regard to how we become members of the body of Christ, how we become saved people? Well, first of all, we have to 
We have to hear the gospel because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17. We understand that without faith, it's impossible to be well-pleasing to him. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. We're called upon to repent, to turn from a life of sin. Peter told those people on Pentecost Day in the city of Jerusalem, as recorded by Luke in Acts chapter 2, to repent. That is, to change their conduct, change their, their course. Repentance is a change of mind reflected in a change of life. And then we're immersed in a watery grave of baptism. We're circumcised with that circumcision made without hands. We're buried with Christ in baptism, according to Colossians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. When we're baptized into Christ, the Bible tells us we enjoy the remission of sins, that is forgiveness, Acts 2, 38. We enjoy the washing away of our sins, Acts 22, 16. We're added to the body of Christ, according to Luke in Acts chapter 2, verse 47. And we're instructed to be faithful until death, the promise being the crown of life. Now, we talk about this gracious deliverance of the lost. And there is power to cleanse the human soul. No matter how deep a person may be in a life of sin, as Paul would say in Romans chapter 5, verse 20, where sin abounds, grace did abound much more. God has the ability to forgive. God will forgive if we're willing to turn to Him. Because you see, He's interested in people that are lost. He wants people to be in a safe condition. There's a profound choice that every human soul has to make in this life. And that is, are we going to choose to live for the Lord Jesus Christ? Will we be receptive of Him or will we reject Him? Will we strive to live a righteous, godly life in Christ or will we choose to live the life of a rebel? The choice is yours. I can't make that choice for you. Your friends, your family members, they can't make that choice for you. Now we can urge you. We can encourage you to live for the Lord. But when it's all said and done, you have to make that decision. Let me ask this question. If you're in a lost condition, why are you waiting? You know you're lost. You know right now you've never obeyed the gospel. You know if you've obeyed the gospel and gone back into the world. You know as Peter said, it would have been better for you not to have known the way of righteousness than after having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto you. You know you're on thin ice. So why? Let me ask a second, second question. What are you waiting on? I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking because I have been where you are. What you're thinking is, I want to keep partying. I want to keep doing my own thing. I want to keep living like I want to live. I'm having fun. I'm enjoying life. Everything's going well in life. I know what you're thinking. I've been there. I have been where you are sitting right now. Here's the deal. I was banking on the fact that I would have time and opportunity to get my life right. 
I want you to know something. Not every story has a happy ending. Do you know what I'm saying? There are lots of folks out there. They're living in a lost condition. In their mind, they're thinking they're going to get it right before the end comes. Not everybody is as fortunate as a man that I baptized into Jesus Christ who died two, two weeks later. Not everybody is as blessed and fortunate as Andrew Archer, who was baptized one month before he was tragically killed. I'm here to tell you, not every story has a happy ending. You may think in your heart of hearts that you've got time and opportunity and you're going to get things turned around. Let me tell you what. We don't know what lurks around the next quarter. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen. Solomon said, boast not about tomorrow. Why? Because you don't know what a, what a, what a day's going to bring forth. I've been where you are. I know what it's like to live a lost condition, live in a lost condition. I've been there. And I can tell you right now, it's a scary feeling. Because you see, you're walking on thin ice and you just don't know when the ice is going to break. If you're in a lost condition, I want to encourage you today to come to Christ. I don't want you to leave here thinking that tomorrow you can do it or next week or next month or whatever. Let me ask you this. In your life right now, what is it that's holding you back? I mean, what's keeping you from doing what you know you ought to do? And let me follow that up by asking this question. Is it worth it? Is what you're doing that has a wedge between you and the Lord, is it worth losing your soul? If you're here today and you're not a member of the body of Christ, you're not what you ought to be, I strongly urge you to come today as we stand and sing.